Welcome back to another episode of Drunk Dietitians. Um, so as everybody knows, last week, both myself and Jenna were participating in the Amplify Melanated Voices movement on Instagram, and we thought it was only right to also put our podcast on mute last week as well. So we are coming back um, this week, honestly looking, it's like looking through a completely different lens. And Jen, I don't know if you have any, like another way to explain that. No, it's been, I think when we talk about food and nutrition, I always talk about awareness comes first. And this week was all about awareness and my lack thereof, um, totally taking ownership over the lack of awareness that I had about our field, really. I mean, obviously everything that goes on in the world, but really as it relates to nutrition and what we do in our careers, got a lot to learn. Absolutely. And I think it, it's only important if we have a dog barking in the background. There's nothing wrong I'm with that. Sorry. There's nothing wrong with that. This is just real talk here. But, <laughs> I mean, I think it's only right. And that's why we, we really wanted to come on today's podcast, not with our usual opening, but to just say like, we have made some huge mistakes. We're going to continue to make mistakes, um, but we are here to lean in, to learn, to listen. We are not here to lead the anti-racist movement. This is not our place to lead, but we are here to listen to Black, Indigenous people of color, hear them, and amplify their voices. Um, so, I mean, that's really just like what comes to mind for me right now is, is really just how, like, just continuously bringing people on here that we can amplify their voice and hear their story. And I think what's really important is that we've recognized flaws in our education and in our own messages. Um, and that instead of ignoring them, we're seeing an opportunity to continue to amplify the message and do the work for change. Um, I know personally, Sam and I have had quite a few honest conversations this week where I felt challenged, I felt confused, I, I needed the conversation to continue to help my own growth personally. And I'm grateful to have had you, Sam, and the other people that I've spoken with this week to really lean into and learn instead of run away from these conversations. And what we hope in the upcoming episodes is that we can give our listeners a variety of information and voices and the opportunity to really listen in a in different light. Absolutely. And I think some things that really stood out to me too over this past week of just kind of like silencing ourselves and learning was that like, this is not about personal growth, right? Like this That's is about yeah. owning our privilege. That's really what it is. We're thin white women in a predominantly thin white woman field. And that's something we said episode one. Mm -hmm. um, but, but again, from the a standpoint of like, what did we really do about it other than just saying that we recognize that? So owning the privilege and realizing also this is not about being kind, but this is about like systemic change. And it's something that we're both here for. And this is a complete journey. This is not us just saying, hey, now we're anti-racist. Like, welcome. We have so much work to do. I think that was a big thing that I learned this week, that there is a huge difference between being not racist and being 
part of an anti-racist movement or to call yourself anti-racist. And that um, I personally am reading Me and White Supremacy, and that's a big topic in one of the the chapters where um, the author has really recognized that white people have a lot to learn about a lot of these terms. And just, she speaks very specifically about like, oh, if you've adopted um, a child of color, or if you have worked with black people, or if you're friends with black people, like that doesn't mean that you've done this work. And I'm really recognizing the difference in those statements now and what it means to really be an ally, which I think is really powerful. And so I'm, I'm taking it slow as well, because it's a, it's a lot of learning. Um, but I do recommend this book if anybody out there is interested in learning as well. It's, definitely one that makes you really stop and think about a lot of different things. Yeah. That, I feel like that coincides a lot with, I took this past week, the anti-racist course or anti-racism course from Monique or her Instagram is um, Mo, Mo Motivate. And she talked a lot about that as well as like, as white people, like we are not born with the tools. We are not taught the tools of anti-racism. So um, we don't have them. Like we can't just all of a sudden like share an Instagram post and be like, oh my gosh, like we're anti-racist. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people right now are, are recognizing their privilege and having that like, oh shit moment, but they have no idea what to do we're not supposed to know what to do. This is where we have to call on our black indigenous people of color, brothers and sisters. It is, they are the leaders. We are here to listen and amplify them. And, but it is our responsibility as white people to not be silent and to, to do the work as well alongside them. So You know what else is like so fascinating though, is that really recognizing as two people who are, non-diet diet focused dietitians you know there is a close tie to where diet culture started um and its connection to white supremacy or an anti-black movement um to some extent and there's a lot of reading and learning to do on that end for me personally that i'm i'm excited to dive into and just learn more about it it fuels my hate fire for diet culture even further um and i think that'll be a conversation that one day we should have on this platform as well yes we definitely have some (laughs) some things brewing from that yeah because if someone's saying yeah if you see a dietitian putting up a post that says black lives matter. And then the next day they're saying, lose weight. We'll wait. So now you're not supporting the size of someone's body. So we'll definitely open that. And let's just also mention, you know, this week for us, as we leaned in and learned and listened, I was very hyper-focused on um, other dietitians messages this week and those who participated in muting or did not totally their choice, but where their messages went, I find I found myself looking at them very differently. And um, it was really very eye opening, like how you started this conversation saying very interesting to see where those conversations went and, you know, kind of made me reevaluate a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, it's gonna, I mean, this is gonna be what, obviously, it's only been a week. This is 
so many years that are, that are going to, you know, expand on from here and, and hopefully continue to see change um, and justice. But it definitely, this was a great week to just say like, unfollow or like, nope, you're not serving me. And that's something we've always kind of said in the anti-diet movement, but specifically around this, like just such a low tolerance for people that, that don't, don't see what's going on around them right now. But like we've said, it's not like, but I think that's where it's easy to get caught up to, to jump to that whenever, but then I keep saying to myself, nope, Sammy, shut it down. <laughs> you need to focus on your heart and what right. you're doing. It right. doesn't matter what they're doing. I mean, of course we have to call people out and that's part of the work, but it's so easy to want to say, well, they're not doing this or they're doing this. Let's look at our hearts first, because if we do that, that's where we're gonna where we're gonna be able to make the most change. Hundred percent. That was said perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, as two dietitians, two sober dietitians at the moment, but drunk yes, we are diet- sober for today's episode. <laughs> um, as the Drunk Dietitians podcast co co host, we are committed to diversifying the anti diet space by amplify- amplifying the voices of Black Indigenous people of co- color and all body shapes and sizes. Um, that is a commitment that Sam and I share and will be continuing the learning process on how to do that as best as possible for all of you. Yeah. And so just to really bring it full circle. So I think that was a great place to end there and we'll continue to expand on this with all the episodes to come, but for today's episode. Yay. All right. I forgot. (laughs) We actually had, I feel like we laughed a ton because this is like one of Jenna and I's best friends slash work acquaintances slash like you managed her. We had Lynette Henley. um, Mother figure to us too. Yes. Yes. And she's like a mother to us. She might kill us for saying that. but, um, But she is from Trinidad and she just her whole view on how food and culture like integrate is just so beautiful. And I think it was such a great episode to kind of like open up with after our week of silencing and listening and learning. One of the resources she shared towards the end of the episode, um, I quickly like just brought it up on my computer because I remembered that from um, when we used to work together, but old ways pt.org is the organization she was talking about towards the end as to where she gets a lot of her own personal education on different cultures and heritages, um, food connections and just cultural preferences. And I believe it's a free website and I previously was connected or use them often, but um, I'm definitely going to re-sign up for this to just start really studying some of the things that she was talking about. And I think that would be helpful for anybody listening who is interested in expanding their palate. Um, She talked so much about the connection to food and people and culture, and that's always been her mission. And I'm disappointed in myself personally that I never really recognized that more but I'm excited to share it with you all now because Lynette's work is, it's beautiful. And she, her ability to connect to people um, and deeply care about what she does is also so beautiful. And I hope everybody enjoys listening to her speak and her little laughter. And she was drinking something real fun today. The one thought I have as we kind of lead into her episode, just understanding this week, there were a lot of posts about how 
the, the lack of diversity in dietetics, what would the field of dietetics look like if more dietitians were like Lynette? Mm, that's a good question. We'll leave it there. Everybody enjoy. Thank you for being here and enjoy Miss Lynette Henley, the simple dietitian. Welcome back to Drunk Dietitian. Sammy and I are smiling so big because we are interviewing one of our, like, I don't even know how to describe you, Lynette, like our favorite people, our mentors, our like uh, previous coworkers. We've all worked together in the same space before. And we had a really special bond when the three of us all worked for a specific grocery chain together. And now we are honored to introduce everyone listening today to Miss Lynette Hemley, who is a registered dietitian, been a registered dietitian for over six years, is currently studying to become certified as a Monash registered dietitian, which is specializing in FODMAP and GI issues, right? Um, Lynette is in private practice and is also the dietitian in a grocery store in Jersey City. And we can't wait to hear more about her experiences. And Lynette, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I can't, I'm so excited to see both of you. I know. We, I this talk is to long you guys. overdue. It feels like old times. You know, it feels like yesterday. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I know. Even I though know. we're all in such different areas right now. I know, when it makes Sammy me want to move. When Sammy and I used to do presentation, remember that, Sammy? Yes, yes. Or whenever I was like telling you guys that I was going to move and Jenna started crying and Lynette was like, I don't see a ring on your finger. You're not allowed to move yet. <laughs> I remember. So that's such a good story to share. When Sammy broke, the, broke our hearts and told us that she was moving to Florida, Lynette pulled her aside as the, the mother figure in our, our careers at that time was like, listen, and I gave her like a real heart to heart. And after Words. I remember you coming up to me and saying, should I have done that? <laughs> and I feel so bad, Sammy, but that was a mom and me. No. I miss was, you, Sammy. I, I was selfish. It. I didn't want you to leave us. I know. I know. I didn't, I, there was a huge part of me that I didn't want to leave either. But now with Zoom, we can all virtually connect and hopefully soon we can actually visit and not be afraid of a global pandemic. And I know. And have a, we need a reunion. We, we are overdue for a reunion. We absolutely are. But we kind of are celebrating today before Sammy rapid fires you. Why don't you tell us what you're drinking as we cheers, Lynette? <laughs> Okay, so I am drinking coffee, which I was dying to have my coffee, but I was waiting. And my sister gave me this Hennessy last year for my birthday. And she's like, look, go and sap your knee with it. So this is cultural um, exposure I need to give you guys with Hennessy brandy. And I'm like, okay, I never sap my knee with it. But then I noticed my bottle is all the way down there. I'm like trying to figure out who drank it. Anyway, I would assume that coffee. would be your husband. <laughs> if you never had Hennessy in your coffee, you should try it. It's really good. I can't wait. I've had yeah. Hennessy before, but I've never had it in coffee. So and you can sap your knee. I will give you when you start getting old and you start getting all those knee pains. <laughs> you can sap your knee with some Hennessy. <laughs> One of the best lessons Lynette has taught us is what Lyman means, which I'm sure we'll get into. So I don't oh, yeah. want to. Um, Wait, we Lyman now. We Lyman on Zoom. Now we're Lyman at 11 a.m. It's perfect. I think that's that's a Trini thing. Oh, and here we go. Like with her lingo, too. I have so much to learn. But I honestly think I want to call this episode and title it "Slap Your Knee with Some Hennessy." <laughs> 
<laughs> We're not going to be able to get through this episode without laughing in five <laughs> seconds, but it'll be fine. So before we get started, Lynette, we're going to do a little rapid fire with you just to get to know you better. And I know, and honestly, Jenna and I might not know the answers to some of these questions too. So, all right, Lynette, wine or beer? Wine. Vodka or tequila? None. <laughs> if you had to pick a liquor, is it Hennessy or is it not big on liquor? Um, I like rosé, a good wine. There you go. Okay, that's your favorite. Um, fruits or vegetables? Can I, I say both? To, yeah, I was going to say. Can I say both? <laughs> it's hard for Lynette, for sure. Um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Okay. Um, night out on the town or Netflix and chill? At this age, Netflix and chill. <laughs> Honestly, same. Um, all right, crunchy or smooth peanut butter? Moment of truth. I don't really like peanut butter. Since when? <laughs> you guys made me start eating peanut butter. <laughs> but if I have to choose, maybe crunchy. Okay. But that not everyone count. eats peanut butter <laughs> and banana or apples, okay? <laughs> All right, last question here. If you could have one thing in your life in limitless quantities, but it can't be money, what would it be and why? Flowers. Ooh, I love that. You've always Fla had I love flowers. Song. I love to give flowers. I love to receive. I don't receive as much as I give, but um noted. Flowers yes. make people happy. Flowers makes people happy. It's just so pretty. What's your favorite flower? Right now I like peonies. Me too. They're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I know. So and I went looking for a plant and I got I can't get one. It's sold out. <laughs> <laughs> They're beautiful. Well, Lynette, thank you for being here. Can you, first, you've mentioned at my age a couple times, but can you tell us a little bit about your story? You know, I know I, Sammy and I know, but not everybody here knows that you switched careers and became a dietitian as a second career choice, I believe, went back to school after many years um, of being in a, a completely different field. In addition, moved to the States during that time. Um, so tell us all where you're from, who you are, what's your story, and why we're talking today. Wait, I don't even know if we have enough time to hear my story, <laughs> but I'll try. <laughs> I will try. So I'm from Trinidad. I'm a Trinidadian, a Trini to the bone. That's what they refer to us as. We're Trini to the bone. Um, you know, we see the world in colors, not black and white. So for me, I never knew what white and black and racism was I saw everyone as color you know colorful beautiful rainbow people um I emigrated to the United States around 18 years ago 18 so I left a very corporate job I was human resource close to human resource director um my boss wanted to kill me I left I got married to my childhood sweetheart after 25 years yeah, yeah, that's another story. We could get into that another time, okay? And I moved to Atlanta, uh, which I loved because it reminded me of Trinidad. You know, I saw people, and then I, you know, I met Trinidadians. And, um, but I realized I didn't like the United States. I went back, I kept going back and forth because I miss my home, I miss my friends, I miss the freedom. And I kept going back and forth, and then we moved to New Jersey, and it was a nightmare moving here. <laughs> um yeah I didn't realize it was really it was a 
gosh, I had to learn fast. So coming from a corporate world, um, I was always busy. I mean, I never had time for myself. Uh, so I really relished the time that I had. Well, during that time, I had twins too, so I didn't have a choice. I had to stay at home and take care of them. I had no one here. And when they were three years, and the first day I took them to pre-K, I went to Montclair University and signed up because my aunt is like, you're not a housewife. You need to do something with your life. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do something with my life. So I was looking for these schools that accepted non-traditional students, and I found Montclair University. So I went there to do an MBA, believe it or not. And then I'm like, I was 43 years. I'm like, okay, when I'm finished this, who would want to, I will have to go back into an entry-level position in corporate New York. I'm like, no way am I going to do that. So I switched. I was always into nutrition and healthy eating. And, you know, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should do this. Might be a good area to move into. If I do what the salary was, I would not have. But um, <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> that's a, but, you know, I always like helping people. And people always listen to me when it came to those things. So I'm like, yeah, let me do it. And I fell in love with the field. And then so much science started coming at me. At 43 years, I'm studying all these stupid science, you know, microbiology and organic chemistry I'm like oh my god what the hell did I get myself into but you know my husband is a scientist so I got a lot of help there and you know after going through this I realized wait a minute I have to do an internship but at the end of my so the story I have to tell you at the end of my my final exam I'm like yay I am done. So I put on my gym clothes and I went to, I went to do a mammogram, right? And I'm like, oh, that will take one hour and I'll run to the gym after because I was always into work it out. I spent the entire day at this stupid hospital because I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So just when I was finished with um, this nutrition degree and I'm like, okay, I could have a life now. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I went into this whole thing start treatment and best options. And I'm faced with my mortality. I have six year old twins. What on earth am I going to do? You know, but I just kind of went into, started making decisions. I need to do something. I need my life right now. And, you know, I had a bilateral mastectomy. Um, but before that is where I put nutrition to work. I'm like, okay, I studied all these things on nutrition. Um, here it is, I'm diagnosed, and I'm telling everybody, nutrition could help you. Let me see if it could help me, you know? So what did I do? I grew up eating sardines. I know many people hate sardines, right? But sardines is really a rich source of calcium and protein, okay? So I switched my diet, and I used to get fresh sardines right at Fairways close to me. So I, And I started making bone broth before it became fashionable because this is what I grew up on, right? <laughs> My dad, my dad used to make bone broth, beef bone broth for us whenever we were sick because of marrow from the beef bone and all that nice vegetables, you know, it really was good for healing. So I'm like, okay, what I did, I made these huge pots of bone broth and then I strained them all and I had it in my refrigerator because I'm preparing for if I have chemotherapy, um, you know, and I can't prepare meals and I'm nauseous. What can I do? So I'm like, okay, the bone broth, I'll get all the nutrients in it. And so I went to see a holistic dietitian to get prepared, right? 
And this holistic dietitian didn't tell me anything. She all just said, all she said was, I never met anyone who ate so much vegetables in their life. I'm like, this is how I grew up. I eat a lot of vegetables, you know, so it's nothing new. And so she's telling me these things and I'm like, why did I waste my time? Why did I waste, you know, nothing new. Um, Anyway, after that, I had my surgery, whatever. I, I took things into my own hands. Like I saw a lot of breast cancer patients after surgery used to walk with their hands like across their chest because of course you just had surgery. You don't want anyone to come into you. And a lot of people never got full mobility of their arms after removing all those lymph nodes. And I'm like, no way, this is going to happen to me. I told my doctor I used to do 13... 30 push-ups before surgery. I want to do 30 push-ups after surgery. Do what you have to do. Um, And I just started doing my own exercises. I used to do my wall crawl, whatever. Within two weeks, I was driving and going to my own physical therapy, which I should not have been driving, but I was able to. I never had to go for physical therapy. And I guess the nutrition did work because I really, my healing came really fast. Um, And, you know, I, it's kind of like a surreal moment. I'm like, did I really have breast cancer surgery? Because I always, it's like I'm out, it's an out of box experience. Yeah, so that's part of my history. Um, you guys want to hear more? <laughs> <laughs> How did I get into nutrition? It took, okay, after all that, I used to volunteer at Inglewood Hospital because I did everything to get this internship. This internship is so hard. And all I had, all the experience and the GPA, um, I didn't know this into, getting into an internship was hard. It took three tries before I got into an internship. And they did turn me down even on the third one. And if my director at Inglewood Hospital didn't get involved, I may not have been a dietitian today. And she was really, really annoyed. You know, she called, she had actually threatened not to take any interns from two universities that desperately needed this hospital because she said she was ashamed to be a dietitian. Mm. Um, Why I didn't get an internship. I had everything. I had more. And yet still, and you know, hindsight is 2020. I look back and I said, oh, there were biases in this whole thing. You know, Um, one, I am not the typical dietitian. Two, I'm older. I'm from the Caribbean. And stupid me, they never realized all these things played a role in me not getting an internship. I just thought it's so competitive, you know, maybe I need something more. But what more could I have done, you know? Mm. So that's it. That's the story of me becoming a dietitian. And here I am today. And then (laughs) I met you guys and the rest is history. And can you state a little bit more about where you work currently, like the the store and the culture of what you bring into that space right now? So that's a funny story, getting that job. (laughs) I did my clinical nutrition in Jersey City. And when they sent me there, I was so scared. I'm like, why why are they sending me there? I felt like, you know, from what you heard, I thought, oh my God, I'm going into like a war zone. But when I went to that hospital, I fell in love with the clientele. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the environment. And I'm like, I wish I could work in this area. And then this vacancy came up. I applied for it. I got the job. And 
I felt like I was home. The diversity, the cultural diversity in Jersey City is amazing. You know, I hear, I love to hear all the different accents. And of course, I could detect my own accent. Um, when people are walking by and you hear that Trini accent, I'm like, oh, there they are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, but as such, you know, I think Jersey City has like about 60 something, maybe I'm wrong, 60 something different national or languages spoken, 100 and something different nationalities or probably uh, maybe it's wrong sided. But I, they were voted like the most diversity in the world. And I'm so proud to be in that environment. And I really connect with the people. I don't speak. The only language I speak is English. But I connect with all these people because, you know, you, you learn about people, you appreciate people, you're interested in who they are and what they represent and their culture and what they eat. I'm always intrigued by what people eat and how do you prepare it and how do you live. I am obsessed with culture, you know, so Jersey City was like, and still is, I miss it. I miss the people. I miss not being there right now. I'm home. <laughs> And all I'm working from home, I, when I go into the store, I'm just so happy to see everyone. Yeah. And I feel like you have that one, not the one, but like that common denominator for you is food too. Like you just said, how people cook it and prep it. And if you don't mind sharing with everyone listening, like what are some, obviously I know these questions, Jenna, and I know the answers too. So it might feel silly, but like the things that you do with people from a cultural standpoint, but also like in the store and, and how you work with people with around dietetics. So, you know, like people, people from a different background, I don't just jump into nutrition. Anyone could jump into nutrition. I want to know where they're from. How do you live? What do you guys celebrate? What do you guys eat? How do you make that? How does it taste? I mean, I've had people bring their own food for me already, you know. Um, and as I want to know all these things. And you have to understand that people's culture and their food, it's their DNA. You cannot take that from them. You cannot change that. But once you show people you are interested, I am interested in who you are, they will share anything with you. They will tell you anything because you are genuinely interested in that person and not, a, not just telling them to eat peanut butter and banana in the morning <laughs> for breakfast because not everyone eats that. <laughs> These boys left this open. Sorry, guys. Lynette has two teenage twins that are homeschooling right now, and she's also a grandma, right? Yes. Two times? Two babies? Once. Once. One. Okay. <laughs> He's like 10. <laughs> He's five now. <laughs> well, before that, I mean, I was getting like choked up until you just called me out on the peanut butter comment, but... <laughs> but because I have had clients say that. Clients come to you and say, I don't like peanut butter, but you don't have to eat peanut butter. Right. I don't like peanut butter no. either. Of course. You know? But I was getting choked up listening to you because for those listening, I had the unique opportunity to be Lynette's manager um, for the end of my time in that position and really observe her in her spaces and in the community. And also in Jersey City Hospital, I went with you on a couple site visits to different programs that you were spearheading. And what was always unique about her perspective is that Lynette 
always makes everybody around her feel very comfortable and exactly like what she's saying is very inquisitive as to not what your favorite foods are, which is a question that I know that I used to ask. And now as I'm learning and listening, it's, you know, talk to me about what food means to you. And I look back on some of the experiences where you brought that mindset into the community where you were educating on maybe controlling blood pressure or whatever the topic was that you were brought into that space to talk about, but you never took away salt or you never took away broth or whatever it was that was important to the community you were speaking with, which I think is so powerful as dietitians in this field now need to recognize that connection that you so eloquently just really pointed out to us. Yeah, you can't, I mean, like I remember, and if, you know, like Caribbean people, they will tell you salt make food taste good. Don't tell them not to put food in their salt. They, you know, you would lose them. You would lose them by the first salt word, you know. Um, but you have to let them know, you know, you could gradually, um, you explain to them. So you accept that, but you explain to them what it does. And if you could gradually, so if you use a teaspoon of salt, how about we go down to three quarter teaspoon and just gradually, you know, try to, and use other flavorings, you know, like lemon juice or something to bring out to make flavors pop. And my approach to nutrition is application. So I like to show people how to do things because I could give anybody a list of education and you guys saw that they go into the supermarket and they're so confused. What do I do with this? And this is where application of nutrition is so, so important. How do I do this? How do I prepare? You know, people think healthy is expensive. They think that is hard. It's really hard because again, you have to go back to people, cultural heritage you know this is what they're used to and no matter what you do you will always go back to what is comfortable to you same with me I love food I could eat any food but I I love my Trinidad food the flavors is like so rich it's so it's like me it's diverse you know I enjoy that and you cannot take that away from anyone but you could help them make it better you know like if you're cooking with too much oil which we we do we do a lot of oils we do a lot of salt we do a lot of these additives these flavorings um so maybe we could talk about that and explain why you know these are the options so you show people options but you're not taking anything from them i love that I love that. Give an example too, for anyone listening of what are some ways that you have in, whether it's at home with friendships or even at work in your place of work, like what are ways you say you like that application piece? How do you showcase and show people what to do? Okay. So it's so funny. You you guys know I was never a social media person. (laughs) And here it is. I'm zooming from my kitchen doing presentations. (laughs) It's like, okay life has changed (laughs) and and i thought people wouldn't get it because here it is i'm preparing a meal and i'm showing you how to do it so for example i did a presentation a couple weeks ago for um three assembly women in jersey city predominantly african-american and you know they were bringing well it was coronavirus and then it started with all that is happening now and you know they wanted to it was like mental health and my 
part is always the fun part, the food. Um, so I asked them to put me last because let me bring some happiness into all of this. <laughs> and I know, so this is why you have to know your audience and you know the people you're dealing with. I, and I have made mistakes with that in the past. Um, I know the following and the group might be predominantly mixed, um, African-American or, you know, an ethnic group. So I have to work with that group, but I like bringing people back to their heritage. And what I made was a black eyed pea salad. And one of the assembly women, she was saying, a black eyed pea salad, Leonard? I'm like, yeah, so when do you eat black eyed peas? New Year's Eve. She said, yes, with smoked turkey. And, um, you know, you make it, it's supposed to be a prosperity dinner. I said, well, we need some prosperity now. So let me show you how to make a salad. And I made the salad and she's like, can I have Uber Eats? I'm like, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so you have to, and she, she was so happy. She said, oh my God, you brought me right back to my roots because black eyed peas is such a rich, it's so high in fiber, so high in protein. It has such good nutrients. But it's like an underdog is cheap, you know, but you could do so much with it. And with that, I added so much vegetables, um, you know, right in front of them. I made a salad on my kitchen counter. The person who hates social media was doing this on my kitchen counter. And, um, you know, that's one thing I did. So those are the things that I try to do. I try to get to know my audience and target my audience. And I look for simple things that people would like. It's not crazy. Nutrition is simple. Hence my name, the simple dietitian. I always say we take nutrition, we complicate it, but the food never went out of style. Nothing new came along. They've always been there. We have just taken it and confused it and made people think that, you know, it's, it's gourmet food you eat when you eat, have to eat vegetables that everyone is used to and should be eaten and know about. But then you make people feel bad and say, oh, you eat vegetables. That's really a gourmet meal. You know, it's not. That's how people eat. That's how people who, I mean, look at all these old ancient cities. What did they eat? You know, you go back, they ate from the land. They ate food that they were used to. Nobody went in the supermarket and shopped for all these, you know, whatever it is they have there. So it has always been there is what we have done with it. One of the things that I remember too from, again, being just around you more in person <laughs> um, is that your, so a program that we did in the store was Lynette's shelves outside of her office always represented, you know, hot topics of the month if there was a theme or product that we were really promoting as a group at the time. And when I think back, and this is the first time I'm doing this, shame on me, but when I think back, you always fought to make sure that your shelves included, whether it be titled like a budget-friendly section or a diverse section or an area that you knew, you studied and you recognized were really important to the people, the very diverse population that you had. And I wish I had asked you more questions at that time to explain like why or, you know, how to make these things. And, you know, again, as I learn my role in these next steps, I'm just so grateful to have a resource as you to learn from. And I would like to know if you could share, you know, where do you get most of your education, except for ex own experience for really understanding different cultures? Like where would you recommend 
us to start to look into the different cultural foods and benefits and what's really important to each culture? Okay, so always nutrition. Okay. I don't know if you guys <laughs> ever, why you guys are laughing. Always nutrition. <laughs> always so, nutrition. Is that a book? Always, you know that all, always oh, nutrition. Yep. Yeah, they, they have amazing things on the heritage um, diet and you could really get some good information from them. And I mean, I use their resources a lot. Um, there's a really amazing book, The Spirit Catches You and You Fall Down. I don't know if you guys ever read that book. I did that in medical anthropology. And it's um, it's a Hmong child and her American doctors and the collision of two cultures. And it will really bring you out. It will really teach you. It's an easy read. It's very interesting. And um, you would see, you know, what people believe in. And you cannot go there with your nutrition education and all these things you know about carbohydrates fats and proteins and say this is what you have to eat so you get all these things because people have been eating balanced meal for years and they get all the nutrition without even realizing their plate was divided up you know um so that's a really good book i really like that i did that in medical anthropology which i love so those are two areas i um Always Nutrition is really good. I love Always Nutrition. You get a lot of good information from them. And basically, just information, the Diversity Practice Group, they, they have a lot of good information on their website too. And you could always connect with them because that's what they want. You know, they, they need that interaction. They need help for diverse dietitians. So that's basically it. And I guess my experience and people, I get it from my customers. I ask a lot of questions and I know you guys were always surprised with that. I always dug deep. Well, that always works over time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I always ask. I got, I got into the belly of people and I have had some best friends. I have made best friends with my customers. And I mean, you would think that I would only deal with like an, a certain age group, but I have young friends. You remember that guy who came to me, that vegetarian guy, he became yeah. my best friend, you know? I met um, him. <laughs> yeah. We shopped the frozen food section together, remember? <laughs> yeah, and when he had a tragedy in his life, I was the first person he came to, and you know, I was like, wow. That tells you when people could come to you with those things, you know you have connected with them mm -hmm. and you really have to be so be there for them. So nutrition goes beyond telling people about food. You know, you connect with people. We thought as food. And yes, as food, food is important, food is life, but you have to be able to connect with people. That's so important. It's so important from a counseling perspective. I have a question it's like swirling around in my mind because you said <laughs> one thing earlier that it was so interesting you're like I now looking back when you look at your internship and how you you said it was what three times that you got turned down but you didn't ever even think about the biases or maybe you know whatever was going against you whether it was age or the just your diverse culture so when did you really notice that? Is that something more recently with kind of like current events in the world or when, when was that something you've noticed? <laughs> I don't this even know. This is a know. safe space, tell us. <laughs> I know, I you know, even getting my job, 
I was trying to think about that. Even when I got my job with you guys, I didn't realize I was part of a private members club. I honestly did not realize that. Um, and as later on, when I started to look at the statistics of dietitian and I saw the demographics of dietitian and honestly that started to affect me too because I felt I wasn't good enough I wasn't white enough I wasn't young enough I wasn't skinny I used to be the skinniest thing and then suddenly I was skinny enough and then I'm like I'm 57 years I have four children why am I comparing myself to a 25 year old you know um, which is stupid right but they're all of those things are biases and I think I realized it a couple of years ago, which I threw it out, but because it never became a part of me because I had so many dietitians for fighting for me, for my internship, and they were all young white dietitians. So, you know, I didn't ever realize that there were biasness going on. They realized it. I didn't realize it, mm. you know, but people were just fighting for me and rooting for me. Um, so it's just later on and even now it's amplifying oh this is what happened you know now i realize but i honestly do not want i am aware and i don't i don't want to change who i am and i'm not going to change who i am you know i love my diversity i love my i never made announcements in the store because i hated to hear myself but this is who i cannot change i cannot change my accent i cannot change who i am this is who i am you know and and i think i bring color into the workplace into the environment with people and the people who don't like it they wouldn't be around and those who like it they will stick around and that's fine you know i hope i answer your questions Sammy. i went all over the place <laughs> You did. You did. And we don't want you to change. We want mm -mm. you to be who you are as well. My and husband's <laughs> screaming from upstairs. Hi, Lynette. <laughs> like, love you just as you are. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> That's funny you said that because I told Luke, like, who we were interviewing today. He's like, I love Lynette. I think she loves me, but I think she hated me when we first moved. <laughs> he was like, he's like, but I remember her. She, I loved her. Oh, I love you. I love everyone. <laughs> you guys are like the old, the old OGs. So uh, before we get towards like the end and close here, you mentioned one thing in the beginning of your story that I wrote down that I don't want to gloss over. Um, you mentioned coming to New Jersey and to America in general was really difficult for you. And from a perspective that Sam and I don't have, can you explain like a little bit more what you felt and maybe even if we want to connect it back to food since we are talking about that today you know what you couldn't find in the grocery store or close to home that made the transition into living here and being here more difficult for you okay i could i was thinking about this and i'll connect it to food and i'll tell you what what it is so when i came here when i, I came here <laughs> i could i could connect anything to food <laughs> So when I moved here, I moved to Atlanta, okay? Now, people growing up in Trinidad, you think, I thought everybody in America was healthy and everybody loved healthy food like I did because this is the books you're getting and this is the information you're getting. So you feel you land in America and, oh my God, everybody eats healthy, they exercise and they do all these great stuff. And the first place I lived in was Atlanta. So I had a rude awakening there. Um, and I'm like, okay, it doesn't work that way. And then I went to the supermarket and 
the food, I mean, vegetables that I was accustomed to eating, they were very expensive. And I'm like, what? These are things that poor people eat. Why is it so expensive? So eventually in Atlanta, I found this Decatur Farmer's Market. If you guys have never been to that farmer's market, you should. It's a cultural experience. Um, so we discovered Decatur Farmer's Market, my husband and I. And when I went to this farmer's market, I mean, that's huge. It's really huge. You found anything from any part of the world. I, I'm talking about this is 20 years ago and this place has been around forever. But then you saw people dressing on their different cultural outfit. And I felt my husband and I used to do that trip twice a week, not twice a week, every other week. And that was like amazing, but it was expensive. And this is where I, differ, I saw the organic trend and the conventional trend. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. This is really crazy. Now people felt I eat like that because I was bouge, but I wasn't bouge. This is what I was accustomed to eat. <laughs> you know? This is because I realized it was a bouge kind of crowd that oh. ate like that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I never ate farm-raised fish. I'm looking for wild-caught fish. I wasn't bullish. This is, I couldn't, I knew the difference. I tasted the difference. But I was like, okay, we need, this need to change, right? So when I moved to New Jersey, so I found my comfort in Atlanta. I found the food I was looking for. Um, but then I moved to New Jersey. I'm like, where do I find this thing? I went to Acme and Acme. I went, <laughs> what I used to pay $100 for in Atlanta. At Acme, I probably got a handful of stuff and it was even food for the week. And I was like, where am I? This is expensive. So then I discovered Whole Foods and you know the story of me and Whole Foods. I went to Whole Foods and as my neighbor said, Whole Foods is like going to the jeweler in those days. <laughs> it was so expensive. And, but in Whole Foods, I found, and Fairways, Fairways in New York, you found everything that you needed. Um, so I used to have to travel to find food. And if, you know, the, now I'm so happy you could find these things anywhere. But it was hard. And again, you know, I realized so much. So I started to work at Whole Foods because I used to get a 20% discount. <laughs> so I, it used to be a joke that I recycled my salary. <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm like, good Lord, I, it was so expensive, you know, but you felt, I felt comfortable. But how do I tie this back into nutrition and food? You know, we look at the minority population. You look at people, um, there is an issue. We have a health disparity. And it's not just about people not eating the right food. It's financial. It's like so socioeconomic. But you have to understand, people migrate to this country. They leave. They leave all these things, these good food. They migrate here. But when you realize here, when you reach here, it's so expensive. So should I pay for my rent? Should I buy food? Should I take care of my kids? You know, so you do everything else and food is the last thing on, on your, your, your list, right? You eat what is available. So it's cheaper to go and buy, what is it? The Twinkies or whatever is in the packet there. It's cheaper because you get it for a dollar and it's satisfying, okay? So people don't want to eat, refuse to eat healthy because they don't, they don't want to. Some people don't have a choice because it. This is how the expense 
comes about. And that is why I really pride myself and really try to teach people, um, you know, you could use simple things. You could buy a bag of beans and cook that for your entire family, add a lot of vegetables, and you could get a good balanced meal there and take people back to what they're used to. Because if you go to eat the way um, the textbook tell you to eat or the dietitian tell you to eat, they don't want to see a dietitian again. Boom. You just yeah. answered that so perfectly. Very powerful. Like, so, I mean, what I'm hearing so clearly now is that the foods that you were so comfortable with that you would pick off the trees in your backyard. What kind of trees did you have? You always told me. Orange, oh my God. I had everything. <laughs> I had mangoes. I had lemon. I had lime. I had, um, you name it. I had it. Some of them, you guys don't even know about it. I used to so get up and walk around that. I got whipped by my grandmother for not eating food because I love fruits. So in the morning I will get up and choose which tree I want to, which mango tree I want we had our favorites and that's what I wanted I and love mangoes yeah, me too. I but love what mangoes. I'm hearing is that food was that was so like home to you and was so accessible and so easy became something that was so expensive so far out of reach and not available and that's where the socioeconomic issues really come in as well and it's the way you really brought that together is so powerful I'm so grateful for that story um, and for you bringing light to it. So thank you. Thank you, guys. I hope I did clear up. I hope you learned something. I don't know. <laughs> so like, much. I also would hurt. like you to just like talk about when Sam and I are going to come with you to Carnival one year because oh my God. <laughs> I'm scared. Make sure you guys this. take your husband with you because I'm not responsible for anything. <laughs> I'm not responsible no. for whatever you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> Take your husband along. We can talk <laughs> them in the corner, it's fine, but take them along. <laughs> uh, well, we always end the episode with a nutrition tipsy, which I feel like we've had, we, like, we have so many. But if you could leave the listeners, Lynette, with like one final tip, like, for, so think about you're talking to thousands and thousands of people. What would be that one nutrition tip? that you would want them to know. And it doesn't have to be a nutrition tip. It could be like a life tip, kind of how we went through everything. My tip is don't come away from what is comfortable to you. Don't change what you're accustomed to. But if you need help, making it a little healthier, a little better, I could work with you on that. But don't ever, don't ever, I don't want anyone to change the way they eat. I made my mistakes earlier on. And I don't ever want to repeat that again. I don't want people to change what is comforting and what they're used to. And we could always find a way to make it better. Love that. Can I ask you one final thought too? Yes, Jana. <laughs> what is one spice that everybody needs to have in their cabinet? So, I know you love to cook with your spices. <laughs> no, like one alternative, like it doesn't have to be an alternative to salt, but like what is one like fun spice that I should start cooking with, that we should start cooking with, that our listeners oh. should play with? I feel like oh everybody God, just my... uses like garlic salt. Like give me something better. That's all I use. <laughs> right? No, what about, so my sister went to Ethiopia and she bought back Burberry for me. Burberry, I hope I'm 
pronouncing that right oh my god it's the best thing you could do to flavor your chicken and you know mm-hmm. i use it in anything because i have a big bag jenna i could give you some okay. i have a lot of it <laughs> um, it's really a nice flavorful spice and you know when you look at all these african countries their spices is a lot of the spices we use in Trinidad. So, you know, when you bring it all together, you flavor food and experiment with food. Look at other cultures and try. I mean, the Internet, you could get anything now. Any and everything is available. I go on the Internet to get recipes, you know, experience and try other cultures. Don't stick with only what you know. And, you know, talk to your clients, talk to your customers, talk to your friends. I'm sure you have friends who are not just white girls you know you have diverse friends ask them what they eat what they do go to their home see how they live and become a part of that you would learn so much love that so beautiful thank you Lynette for everything today so for everybody listening where can they find you what's the easiest way for them to get a hold of you to stalk you and contact you (laughs) (laughs) I know you guys are forcing me onto um, social media. (laughs) So, okay. First and foremost, I'm a registered dietitian with ShopRite of Jersey City. So if you go to ShopRite of Jersey City Facebook page, you can find me there. And you'll see my face all over the page. Um, And then I am the Simple Dietitian on Instagram. You know, you'll see a lot about my families and silly stuff. And maybe I'm being forced to post some more stuff now. But there's where <laughs> you can so. find me. <laughs> I think a little cooking with Lynette at home. It should be a series on that Instagram. <laughs> but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I know. I'll show you how to make your own coconut milk and you don't have to buy any anymore. I would love Ooh. that. I would love to learn that. Uh, and it tastes so different. It tastes so good. <laughs> Lynette, thank you for being here today. This was an overdue conversation, but we're so grateful that it happened today. And just to see your face again was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Guys, thank you so much for listening and being here with us. I am virtually cheersing all of you. We absolutely love sipping on a cocktail with you and sharing as many nutrition tipsies as possible during this episode. We know there are a ton of pods out there, and we are so appreciative of your time that you spent listening to us today. Please be sure to check out the show notes for episode details and all of our guest information. We promise to keep bringing you the best and the most knowledgeable and fun guests we possibly can. Please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and post if you enjoyed our content today. And visit us on Instagram and Facebook at Drunk Dietitians to find out what is up next for us on the pod. We absolutely love you. We appreciate you and can't wait to spend more time cheersing with you soon.